Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Going good. It's 2017 now. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You celebrated the New Year in Southeast Asia. Yes, and I would love to tell you that it was great, except I'm just going to go ahead and uh, and be honest. We're recording this before I leave, yeah. so I'm hoping that it was great. <laughs> yes, here's hoping that that 18-hour that trip with your daughter, who sometimes doesn't travel well, uh, goes well. We have lots of Dramamine. Lots, you're going to need lots of Dramamine. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this week we are looking ahead to 2017. We covered 2016 in review last week on the podcast. If you didn't catch that, uh, go back and look at the 16 questions that we had for Southern Baptist in 2016 and uh, check those out. We answered those questions, and, and I was surprised that there were so many things that uh, we kind of saw coming. I guess, you know, when we pay as much attention to the SBC as we do, uh, things kind of play out, and you see, you know— very few surprises yeah. on the horizon. But as we look to 2017, one of the things that we noted that was a surprise for us was the pastor's conference and the change in leadership there. So number one in 2017, what will be the response to the revamped pastor's conference in Phoenix? Yeah, I'm really uh, looking forward to this. I think a lot of people seem to be excited about the uh, list of, of uh, speakers and the sort of plan to uh, preach expositionally through Philippians. I think it's going to be great. You can certainly go back and listen to the episode from a couple of weeks ago and find out more uh, with the interview with Dave Miller. Uh, but I, I'm hoping for a very good response. I know sometimes in Phoenix, just because of, of travel, our numbers uh, it historically have been a little bit less than they are, say, when it's in Orlando or somewhere like that. Um, but I'm really hoping we have a very high percentage of folks who just come in, sit down and uh, listen. Yeah, we had a, a really strong turnout in Columbus a couple of years ago, when, which I don't know if we were really expecting as as strong a turnout. And in St. Louis, also a lot stronger turnout than we expected. So maybe Phoenix will be the same, and we'll start to see some of the reversal of the uh, the declining attendance at SBC annual meetings. That's and what I'm hoping. surely hoping for that out there in Phoenix in June. Number two, yes. will we start to see leadership transitions in southern states related to state conventions? Uh, I was uh, talking uh, a few weeks ago with a colleague here in the SBC about the leadership transitions in some of these Southern states. We've already seen it in Florida and South Carolina with Tommy Green and Gary Hollingsworth going there. And uh, a little bit in Arkansas a couple years ago with Sonny Tucker, the new executive director there. But the states, uh, the Southern Bible Belt SBC core states of Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, all with state execs who are, very experienced and, you know, nearing retirement. And will we start to see any of those transitions happening in the Southern states? Yeah. And we may not. I mean, they, as you said, they're very experienced and they, they bring a lot uh, to the table, but that is something that as we look to the future, uh, you just kind of wonder. Yeah. So not saying that they need to retire or there needs to be transitions in these states, but it's just something that, you know, you start looking at the numbers and you just kind of start wondering if, if this year may be the year. It may be 2018. It may be 2019 or 2020. We don't know. Number three, how will the Trump presidency affect religious liberty as it relates to Southern Baptists? Yeah, I think this is probably the question that's on everyone's mind. Um, one of the conversations that all of us had, uh, no matter where people landed, is that a Trump presidency, which was much more of an unknown than um, a Clinton presidency, that I think everyone had a good sense of yeah. 
of uh, where things might be headed with respect to religious liberty. So much so that in the the weeks before the election, not really knowing how it was going to land and knowing um, knowing where our careers are centered in the world of higher Christian higher education, we actually had some uh, not not at all um, major conversations, but we just had some some conversations of saying, okay, what happens if if the road goes this way? What does that look like for us? And and uh, and so those were the types of thoughts that were beginning to happen when we had a potential known trajectory. Um, and I think we go into this. This year, with the inauguration coming up, you know, we just we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see how some of these court cases, some of these lawsuits. I mean, we still have the same people um, in a lot of the the in, in a lot of the federal courts yeah. and and state courts, certainly. So I but think there's we'll a big continue. one hanging in the balance, though. With exactly. The Supreme Court opening uh, with that justiceship that is open on the Supreme Court. So yeah, and I I will say this, and I, I thought about this the other day. You know, of course, the cabinet appointments are always the first big question in everyone's mind right after an election. But this is something that we haven't really heard anything about. And technically, I mean, there's technically a nominee on the table right now uh, that will, I guess, stay there until January uh, 20th. But, you know, I haven't heard any rumblings about who he might nominate and i'm eager i'm eager to hear who that will be it could even be a southern baptist amy it could be it could you be never know a, a certain member at first baptist houston yeah so there's a lot of questions that will get answered in late january but i think religious liberty is certainly uh one of the most important ones to us in a number of uh areas all right number four how will the new csb translation from lifeway be received I'm excited. Yes, uh, a lot of people know this is coming. The Christian Standard Bible, the revised version of the HCSB, dropping the H uh, to the just the CSB now, will be released in March. There will be a big presentation on this in June at the annual meeting of the SBC. Uh, so if, if you don't have your hands on one in March, if you haven't gotten one, you'll be able to pick up one out there in Phoenix as well, as well as you know, as your local Lifeway store anytime yes. whenever they're released. But uh, I'm excited about it. There are some things in the HCSB that I liked, some things I didn't like. They fixed a lot of the things that I, I didn't like in this version. Uh, that's just personal and, and a lot of things. But uh, this translation committee led by Dr. David Allen and Dr. Tom Schreiner uh, from Southwestern and Southern uh, Seminaries, yes. respectively, uh, has uh, been put out uh, this year. Early reports have been positive. We'll see how it's received by the, uh, the general population of the SBC later on in the year. Yep, I'm very excited about this. Now, one of the changes uh, that that was made, it was something that I loved about the HCSB that was uh, changed just a little bit. So uh, I'll have to adjust to that. But but they added um, the Oxford comma, so I'm all over that. That's very good. I'm with you there. You know, one of the big conversations about our Christmas card this year was that uh, Mary really wanted the Oxford comma, and well, I didn't do why it. Why wouldn't she? And, and you I didn't, didn't do, do it? it? I didn't. No, I didn't. I was succumbing to peer pressure out there. I really was. I was thinking about who would receive it and that there would be this Oxford comma and there's this big debate. And it just seemed the safer way to go no Oxford comma. It's always safer to go with the Oxford comma. Though. But the truth is I love the Oxford comma. So I'm glad to know that's in the CSB. Now, do you guys plan on releasing something um, that will... Uh, transfer all my notes from my old 
version over to the new one? Yep. You can pick one of those up at Walmart for about $1.99. It's called a Bic pin. <laughs> How did you know that's actually... All these people have these special Bible pens, and the one that I use uh, for writing in my Bible is uh, the Bic, the clear. That's the only pen I will use uh, to write in my Bible. All right. Well, it's the best. I didn't know that, but there you but go. But it's going to take me a very, very long time to transfer those notes, like a year probably. All right. Well. It's worth it. Yep, it is. Number five, will the new Lifeway building be occupied in 2017? This is kind of one of those questions where you, you hope so, it's supposed to be. So if it's not, something is really wrong. Uh, but we are scheduled right now to move in late 2017, November, December, that area. So I hope that this one happens, you know, that we will be in our new building, the new property, just a few blocks from our current location in 2017. But you know how building projects, especially one this big, you never know what may happen weather-wise uh, or anything else. You know, schedules can get behind. It, it can happen and things can be delayed. But right now, the time frame is to be into the new building and the new property in 2017. Very cool. Yeah, I can't wait to to see the new building. Yep. Did you have a chance to see it on your way through downtown, the construction? No, we basically landed at the airport, went Briley Parkway, okay. and we stayed. You we stayed, stayed up in, yeah, we stayed up in Robertson County the whole time. All right. Well, number six, how will the changing online education landscape affect SBC seminaries and Baptist colleges? So I read the Chronicle of Higher Education every week, and this is a constant discussion, is uh, just how online education affects things. And so it's a real swinging pendulum. Distance learning, online education allows more flexibility, uh, more access, but it also is, uh, it's a separation from the classroom and from that relationship between student and professor. And so it's a constant question as to how, uh, how people can educate in the best ways possible while using all that these tools, uh, kind of bring. It's kind of one of those things where it's not exactly a trade-off, but giving up that classroom, the in-classroom, time and that instruction and just that experience for the increased accessibility for people around the world. So it's just one of those things that that every college and every seminary and every institution really has to manage on their own and just find out what's best for them. There's no real one size fits all for this. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. Yeah. All right. Number seven, will limitless missionaries start to become a reality in 2017? That's a term that we've heard a lot from IMB, the limitless missionaries uh, you know, not just sending the three to 4,000 like we are right now, but just limitless missionaries, missionary teams constantly going over and, and partnering with IMB missionaries on the ground and, and different things like that. You know, this was something that was first introduced to us. Uh, what, when was it? Was it like 2015, 2014? Yeah, something like that. We've been talking a lot about it, but we know these things take time. I mean, people have to make the decision to go. They have to get whatever training. Well, uh, systems have to be in place. I mean, sure. you can't just automatically just start sending people over there with no systems in place. And I think the SIN conferences in 2017, I think this is going to be a big deal at those SIN conferences is, is how to uh, get access for limitless missionaries and partnerships right. with them overseas. How to do this. But yeah, I'm very eager uh, to see because it, it's certainly an ex, an inspiring message to think about, and I'm really eager to see what that looks like. the The IMB does a good job of telling uh, stories of people uh, who are on the ground around the world, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of the stories coming from these uh, more unique situations 
uh, as the limits uh, are, are kind of off. All right. Number eight, will we continue to see increasingly diverse representation on trustee boards? I hope so. Yeah. Well, we, we saw two years of appointments from Ronnie Floyd that were increased in their diversity over what we had typically seen. So it's kind of the question is, will we see that from Steve Gaines? And right. will will those not, committees that appoint the committees appoint trustees that uh, that are increasingly diverse? I, I think that's something that we're trying hard to do in the SBC and, and, and something I hope continues into 2017 as well. Yes. All right. Number nine, how might Guidestone and their constituents be impacted by changes in health care and the possible elimination of the ACA? Yeah. So the Affordable Care Act, um, had, that's been the big story after the election uh, since that was a kind of a campaign discussion. And then now we're looking at the reality that the Affordable Care Act will be, um, as the words we're hearing, are repealed and replaced. Um, so what does that look like? Yeah. You know, and will I, it be think, repealed or replaced? Right. I'm sure that there are many people who say this is a, a, a good thing and they're they're relieved. Uh, I know there are some people who may feel differently. What I do know is constant change, particularly in the healthcare industry, uh, is never easy, uh, certainly not for those uh, who are our patients. So uh, that, that will be uh, interesting, and it seems like it will probably be yet another year uh, that Dr. Hawkins will will have to navigate through just a lot of issues. Okay, what now this legally has happened? What does this mean? And that's one of those entities that often, because it's not really in the middle of everything, it's just something that kind of affects our day to day life. Uh, we don't we don't necessarily think of all that they're doing, but it's an incredibly important uh, ministry of the Southern Baptist Convention. Also one that doesn't get to set its own schedule or own path on these right. things. They have to react to what happens in the market and what happens in the Congress and, right. and different things like that and, and kind of boxes them in and things that they would want to do differently. It sometimes just doesn't allow because le- legalities are in place uh, that, yeah. that keep that from happening. So uh, a very difficult uh, navigation for Guidestone in these changing days of healthcare as well as retirement. Yeah. And then finally, how will the rural-urban divide in America influence SBC churches and revitalization efforts? We saw that a lot uh, with the election, Amy. Yeah, very much so. This is a conversation that we don't, uh, I think some of us maybe had seen, especially uh, people who've had spent time in both worlds. Uh, but the the election and the exit polling uh, really showed something strong, a divide between um, rural America and urban America. And a lot of focus has been on uh, church planting in cities, even some church revitalization in cities. And it's not that we didn't, um, it's not that, that folks didn't care about uh, the rural America, uh, but it certainly wasn't a major topic of conversation. And I feel like I'm seeing that in the wider culture kind of swing back uh, several books that were written and some different uh, areas of focus. So, how will uh, how will the Southern Baptist world handle that? And will we see sort of a swing in that way? Yeah, and you, you mentioned the book uh, Hillbilly Elegy months ago on the podcast. I've seen nothing but rave reviews for that. Kind of touches on this uh, this rural urban divide, and and in, you know the Southern Baptist Convention, the the Sin City pushes versus the revitalization. I mean, we it can't be one or the other, and I, I don't think anybody's right. espousing for one or the other. It, it's a both and kind of thing. Yes, very much so. Um, and, you know, we, we've, I grew up in, in a rural area right outside of a city and 
Keith pastored in a, a rural town, and then we lived in Nashville and worked with some churches in the city. And, you know, people need the gospel everywhere, and there, there are a lot of areas in which to focus, but I think it's a real benefit that we're starting to have this conversation in the broader culture. Yeah, we are, and a lot of state conventions as well as entities are resourcing this and making this a priority. So that's good to see. Those are our 10 questions. I'm sure there are other questions that you may have for the Southern Baptist Convention in 2017. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook with those. We'd really appreciate that. We're going to be back to our regularly scheduled podcast next week uh, with all the news and this week in SBC history and our resources uh, for the week. But until then, thanks again for listening. And uh, we can't wait to see what 2017 will bring for the SBC and beyond. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.